0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: You're listening to Consensus Conversations 2023 by Coindesk. We're coming to you from the Brave Podcast Studio at Consensus 2023. Brave is the privacy browser used by almost 60 million people worldwide. It has everything you need to stay safe online. Check them out today at brave.com
2: hey everyone i'm cams we are live at consensus 2023 i'm at the coindesk podcast recording studio sponsored by brave we are joined by my wonderful senior producer at coindesk michelle say hey michelle Hi. <laughs> we are so excited the consensus is crazy this year and we are joined by the wonderful anna stone director of web3 at etoro the trading and investing platform and she's also the executive director of Good Dollar, a social impact project. We love a social impact project. She's an accomplished Web3 innovator and growth leader with a proven track record in building, launching, and scaling inclusive crypto products made for the masses since 2018. At eToro, Stone advises on a Web3 strategy and leads the company's impact initiatives, which focuses on leveraging blockchain and Web3 as key to democratizing finance for all. We're going to get into that. She is the director of the Good Dollar Protocol, as I mentioned, a social impact DAO that leverages decentralized finance to create a more accessible digital economy for all. She has over 12 years experience in bringing to market complex technologies. I would say Web3 is definitely a complex take, technology. Take a breath. Take a breath. This and, is this end? I know, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. We're almost done. And she's led growth teams across Web3, blockchain, Big Data, and advanced analytics. Here from Monestone herself, Yay! welcome. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Kamala and Michelle. I couldn't be more excited
3: to be here with you both at Consensus
1: 2023. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you being here with all that background and experience. I'm so excited. She's been trying to get you on the show for
3: a long time. I I (laughs) couldn't be more excited to be here. You guys have interviewed so
1: many of the builders I most admire in this space. So. I'm thrilled to be here. And you were telling me earlier that you're an active listener of the Women Who Web 3 podcast. Oh, yeah,
2: definitely. <gasps> did you know that, Cam? I did not. I think yes, she's like your fan. Oh, my God. I'm a fan, a
3: fan because you've brought on some of the women in the space who I most admire and have learned a lot from. A number of great episodes. Sheila Warren, the crypto tutors ladies who we work with. Uh, also at eToro, I'm on a panel here with them this week. And so... Just so many great female builders in a podcast for women, by women, what's not to love? (laughs) You said it.
2: Mic drop on that. Speaking on love, you've listened to the podcast. You know what my favorite question is? What, Anna Stone, gets you up in the morning? I will start with saying that
3: I am a big, big believer that... Technology really can improve the lives of people all over the world, and particularly in the space of money and economics, which is linked to power. And if we care about disintermediating traditional power structures, we need to look at money and its distribution and its control and in all of its forms. Through my work in blockchain, I've also realized the power of just getting more money and more wealth into the hands of women, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, what men. that means at every single level. Whether we're talking about deploying capital at scale, to you know sponsoring micro entrepreneurs, to seeing you know what the women who use the Good Dollar crypto UBI do with that money and how they use it to help others around them. And so what really motivates me, what really gets me out of bed in the morning is knowing that if I, as a woman, am not taking a seat at the table, I can't expect anyone else to do it for me. Mm -hmm. Wow. As I've worked in this space Mm -hmm. and being in a position to hire and being in a position to design product, being in the decisions to, you know, what we focus on, what we don't, Just recognizing that bringing in 50% of the population, women are not a minority, we're 50%, actually more than 50%. Yeah, We need to have a seat at the table. If we're talking about redesigning money, we need to do it
1: better, differently than how it was done before. We have to care. We have to care about it to have that seat at the table. You know, a lot of women go, uh my husband takes care of that or my boyfriend or, 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 you know, what you just said is so, so important because we have to really care about that. And and blockchain doesn't make it easy because
3: when you think of crypto, it's like take everything you don't understand about technology and combine it with everything you don't understand about finance. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) that's, right that's real. <laughs> <laughs> these are two areas where women have been left out mm-hmm. right yeah. they haven't felt comfortable leaning in and so it's not a surprise that you know you have to work for it if you will it's not a surprise that you have to care it's not a surprise that you have to show up with intention but like i said you know, if I'm not here, who is, right? And yeah, I tell that to right. all the women who work with me and all the women that I meet is, if not you, then who? Mm-hmm. Who's gonna do it? Who's gonna do it? Blockchain is tough, but you gotta step up.
1: Yeah, And we're writing the rules right now. That's right. We're making all the rules, we're writing everything, so we gotta get in now, because Web 2, we didn't really have a chance. We got in it too late. And by that time, it was already set. And I think it's really, really important that we understand I guess I'm trying to get to a question about what is Web3 for you? Because we use Web3 now. This catchphrase, Web3, Web3, well, what is it exactly? And do you have a definition for it? Some women say, well, you know, it is right now. It's in the development stages, so it's not fully explanatory in a sense. But do you have a way to describe Web3? Web3 means a lot of things to a lot of different people.
3: But I think for me, what it really represents is the next generation of the internet and the digital economy that's coming, whether we're ready for it or not. For me, what actually unites all of the different products, services, et cetera, across Web3, whether it's social, NFTs, DeFi, or hopefully all these great products that are yet to be created, is ownership, root ownership. The power of decentralization to actually change how we think of root ownership on an asset level, whether that asset is money, as we think of it today, or whether it is a representation of your contributions to a community, whether it's a creative work, whether it's a representation of your stake in a good idea, etc. And so for me, Web3 is actually about an era of the internet that comes where users and individuals themselves have root ownership and sovereignty over what will hopefully be assets, data, privacy, identity, and how we interact online. And through that, really fundamentally shift the nature of internet business from something that is extractive to something that is more collaborative and ultimately is based off of creating more value and generating and distributing more capital to more people.
1: I don't know about you, but that is the best definition I've heard. And I'm not just saying that because, like, she's been my favorite lately. <laughs> but uh-huh. the best definition that I've heard <laughs> to explain what
2: Web3 is. Uh-huh. Don't you agree? Yeah. I mean, everyone we've asked that question to or that you have. They've had, like, such different questions, even, I don't know. And, you know, recently on stage X here, someone had said on the panel, Web3 isn't revolution, it's evolution. Mm. And I was like, yes, it is opportunity. As you had mentioned, it's so many different things. There's so many different use cases. And something I love about your profile and what you speak about is bringing Web3 to the underbanked. There's just so much potential to break the generational cycles of poverty. There's so many different ways to reach global economies and to fund them and to ignite them in a way that we've never had the opportunity to before. I love everything you're talking about right now. And Michelle, what an incredible question. I always forget about that question. (laughs) Um, I wanted to chat with you. I'm not sure if you were involved in this or if I heard a rumor or if this is actually true, but I heard eToro had a Twitter partnership. What is that about? And then I wanna definitely touch on onboarding the underbanked web three and then corporate social responsibility as we were talking about earlier, but let's start with, with some of the things I've been reading about on Twitter. Yeah, sure, my pleasure. So eToro, for
3: people who are new to eToro, eToro is a social investing network that has existed since 2007, so been around for a while. And the mission of eToro is to make capital markets easy and accessible to as many people around the world as possible. And so that means that on eToro we offer... A range of different instruments. Crypto is just one of the asset classes that we work with, but education and enabling people to invest in community, I would say, is part of the eToro special sauce, Mm. if you will. So one of the critical, critical features in eToro is actually the ability to invest in a community where you're following people who have invested before in the past, and it's really inherently social. And we know that, I mean, this is very true when it comes to women, but all people really prefer to invest in a group socially, and more and more that's moved online. And I think if you see the rise of the retail investor over you know, past 2019, 2020, 21, 22, eToro has definitely been riding that wave through offering products that's actually based around you getting comfortable with investing through investing in community, and in an inherently social context. And so that leads us to our partnership with Twitter. The partnership is actually enabling anyone who mentions a particular asset on Twitter, a cash tag, to click through and then immediately find themselves on eToro with information about that asset and an opportunity to, of course, get started and see what other peoples are saying about it, etc. Mm-hmm. And I believe that this is actually productization of what has been a natural phenomenon over the past several years, where actually you see people are meeting in online communities, they're learning about different products or assets or investment opportunities, in online communities. And then people go and invest together. And so this is a really exciting new partnership that's actually designed to follow the user experience, follow the user behavior, and make it easier, simpler for people to move from a discussion around that asset to getting smarter about that asset to really learning about it, and then ultimately taking that final step and potentially making
2: the decision. Yeah, and as a UX researcher, I love anything that has to do with incorporating user behavior and preferences, needs, their pain points. So I just wanted to ask about that because I had no idea what it was, but it sounds like it's a really cool educational but actionable component. Totally, and I think all finance is digital now and all
3: assets are becoming digital assets. And many of us, you know, at least when we think of people our generation, mm-hmm what digital assets are, what our investing profile is. It's different than our parents or our grandparents, right? It's a different individual with different expectations. We want it to all be online. We want it to all be from our smartphone. We know more, right? And so we're trying to leverage the wisdom of the crowd in a way that like breaks down investing for people and makes it more approachable.
1: Yes. Speaking on, on that, what you just said, I would tie it into another question that came to mind, is one is, yeah, we want all that, but we want to be able to have privacy. We want to be able to share easily without paying for all these fees when you want to move your money around. Yeah. But what's important too is how do you feel about this whole, I think it stems from like fear when it comes to cash, because you mentioned earlier about money in itself, and like we need to have different forms of exchanging the dollar. So what are your thoughts about cash and people's fear about money or the dollar, that sort of thing, versus cryptocurrency. Technically, right now, we're in the age of digital, like you just said. I mean, I never see my money. It goes into a bank. I mean, I use it on my card all the time. So the bank holds this, you know, fake money in the cloud somewhere, and then I use my, my card to it access it. They loan it access They loan your money they out. They loan my money out, and they Surprise. make more money off of my money <laughs> that's sitting in the bank Surprise. that isn't there. Yeah. So what is your thoughts about
3: that? It actually starts with understanding what money is and how it works, like you said, Michelle. I studied economics in college and in graduate school, and I didn't know what money was <laughs> before that or even after that, really. <laughs> we use it, but we don't really know what mm-hmm. it is. And I've realized that that's a feature and not a bug that you don't really understand. Think of the information asymmetry Ooh, like that. between what I think I'm getting when I make a deposit in a bank versus how the bank sees it. So I think that I'm getting a safe place to keep my money. Actually, I'm loaning my money to the bank, they are free to charge me to use it. And don't have to pay me for any of the money that they make based off of my principle. Almost like losing your identity. Like having your identity (laughs) taken. (laughs) There's an asymmetry between what we as individuals think about as money and how it works and how the financial services system works, right? And I think this is one of the areas where actually blockchain has been so successful. Think of how many millions of people around the globe now understand better what money really is because they've read the Bitcoin white paper, Mm. Mm. right? People begin to understand in a very concrete, fundamental way that money is a social contract. It's a technology that we use and it's based off of social consensus. Before blockchain, you couldn't create money because money actually has a special property. It can't exist in two places at the same time. Mm. So it's not like other sorts of information right? When I give you a dollar, I no longer have the dollar, right? It's not like I send you the photo and we're both able to keep images (laughs) of the photo and they have the same value. Money is a special type of technology, right? And so before blockchain, there was no container in which for people to, for there to be alternative currencies. It was issued by governments and That was the social consensus, right? We citizens agree. And this is the transformational potential of the technology is that, wait a minute, we actually are able to change. There's a technology now that's actually designed to let us capture value, right? Mm -hmm. That's designed to enable us to create value, capture value, and agree on what that is. That's the power of tokenization, Mm, if you will. There you go. Is that... It fundamentally changes how we understand what money was in the old context and what money could be in the new world and and create variety there, right? And it requires you to really, like I said, rethink, relearn what money is and the role that it plays. It's a technology that enables us to collaborate with one another. But I didn't think about it that way before I studied blockchain, before I moved into this world. And I think that this is actually an evolution that's going to happen as millions and hundreds of millions of people around the globe really get educated and start to learn about why is this important? What does it mean for
2: me? That's incredible. Like Just listening to you talk, I'm like, oh my God, she should be on the TED stage or something, somewhere to reach <laughs> millions more people to explain this concept. You mentioned something profound. I, I thought it was profound, that money is a technology and that it's a social construct and it's based on social consensus. And now with Web3 and blockchain technology, we have this ability now to assign value and to own what we build and what we make. So this presents so many Ideas, issues that can come across. And we know right now there's a regulation battle with crypto and London right now has just launched a new regulation where they're actually drawing a line between what is DeFi and what is centralized and what's decentralized, which is a step forward. Yep. What are your thoughts on corporate responsibility mm. socially to manage Web3? And what, like in your experience, like what are your thoughts to making a socially responsible standard for cryptocurrencies in general. Well, we haven't done a great job. So
3: I like, I'm like i actually going to take a step back, which is to talk about what's the value of public infrastructure? Mm. And what does public digital infrastructure look like? Mm-hmm. Because this is kind of like the foundational infrastructure. It's almost like the digital bill of rights, right? Like what <laughs> are we all able to access? Right. How do we all interact? How do we all collaborate, right? And I think one of the incredible things about the Bitcoin network was it really proved out what could a digital public network look like where there is a value component mm-hmm. to it so Bitcoin was stood up you know by a number of individuals and then over time more and more people contribute to it businesses are built off of it time goes on and all of a sudden and it's a trillion dollar industry and so Ethereum, very similar, launched and it's a platform that other people can launch technologies, businesses on top of. And so I actually think that this creates a, you know, it's not a new concept that corporates like Microsoft contribute open source software. But I think blockchain actually provides new opportunities for companies to think about how do they contribute to the public goods of crypto in a new way because it's all online and it's all open source and it's all digital. The way that at eToro we've thought about it is really from a perspective of let's build public networks for the public good and specifically focused on where we think there's the biggest opportunity or what makes crypto the most interesting, which is the fact that there are 5.5 billion underbanked people around the world Mm -hmm. That means people that, you know, people throw around the number 1.7 billion unbanked. That technically means people who don't have a bank account. It's kind of meaningless because even if you have a bank account, but you can't actually do anything with it. It's like, so I like to look at the 5.5 billion underbanked. This means where there's opportunity, room to play in terms of providing basic financial infrastructure, basic Mm -hmm. financial services to people all over the world. And so when you look at this question of the power of the blockchain and then the big opportunity, the 5.5 billion underbanked, you realize that because of the cell phone, there is a huge opportunity to bring all of these people into digitally native financial services where the old gatekeepers, such as having to have formal ID Mm -hmm. or having to have uh, land ownership in order to get Formal ID—that's no longer required. It's no longer possible. Anyone who has a cell phone can have an on-chain wallet. Anyone who has a cell phone can access on-chain assets, right? And so the idea behind the Good Dollar Network, which is the public network that we, you know, Etoro has sponsored the build of, is actually a roundoff of how can we get free digital assets into the hands of the people who most need them so they don't have to buy in, they don't have to pay to play. You can actually experience on-chain finance directly through your cell phone. You have real tokens that you can begin to use to play with. Um, As part of the lifelong journey of someone actually becoming financially empowered and knowing that it's going to happen in this new paradigm, In crypto, it's hard to learn how to operate with crypto. I'm sure many of the guests you've had on here say that, right? It's Mm -hmm. not easy to learn how to work in a non custodial wallet. It's weird, you're not familiar with it, it's not how you understand things. And so, the point behind the, the Good Dollar project that we've built is enabling anyone in the world who has a cell phone to get into a non custodial wallet, enabling them to have real tokens that they can claim and use. from, from being a member of the network. That's the UBI that we give out, the universal basic income. Anyone can sign up, anyone can claim their universal basic income, with a goal of enabling people to really learn by doing, and then ultimately doing useful stuff with those tokens, which is the most encouraging, exciting thing we've seen is that people take their good dollars and they begin to experiment in DeFi protocols or they take their good dollars and they begin to organize community finance events around them, or they start to run their community shop where they accept good dollars as a token for sale, right? and these are in places like Nigeria, Brazil, Cameroon, throughout West Africa, throughout Latin America, where you have people who are looking at blockchain as the technology that's going to enable them to join the rest of the digital economy, looking for opportunities to create their own opportunities. And because good Dollar is decentralized and because it's an open currency that anyone can sign up for, they recognize that there's an opportunity for them to build goods and services around this currency and for them to actually do real things in the real world where they simply just might not have the shillings or the pesos to do it, but they have the good dollars. And through that, it's the technology that unlocks more collaboration, more commerce.
1: Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Do you find it, like in the United States here, that we have more of an issue with usage versus other countries? Because I hear a lot of times when we're talking about blockchain or cryptocurrency, you know, how it's aided even in women and when they wanna you know, purchase something or they wanna help themselves without having to deal with a husband or they're fleeing their country or something like that, they're using this. Are we having more of an issue in the United States, do you think? Geography definitely makes an impact, but even within the United States, you have people
3: for whom the traditional financial services system, some of the examples you just showed, aren't meeting their needs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're not meeting their needs. People either don't have access to it or they have privacy issues with it or they don't have access to the assets. I fundamentally think that due to a host of regions, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology will be adopted as money in emerging markets first. Here, Bitcoin, Ethereum, because we have advanced capital market systems, because we have a very advanced banking system, they're seen as investment assets. That's how the media represents it as well. That is true. It's certainly how the regulatory environment looks at that, right? So I think for a host of reasons, it's going to be very difficult to change the narrative in the U.S. that crypto is more than an asset class. However, when you go abroad and you go into other countries that where they don't have the structure of the U.S., you don't need to explain what's the value of crypto. Here, we're constantly tripping over ourselves trying to explain yeah, what's the point. value. What's the value? Yeah. You go and... You talk to, we work with so many amazing people in Nigeria, right? Who can't just go onto Robinhood and buy $20 worth of Apple stock. They want exposure to global capital markets. They wanna be able to invest. What's the easiest asset for them to get? Bitcoin, Mm. right? You talk to people in Argentina where people can't own dollars, where it's illegal to own dollars. That's where DAI has the highest adoption, right? (laughs) or USDC, yeah. so you go to places where you're not as financially served as we are here, and you don't have to explain what's the value. People understand the value. Yeah. They are look- They have problems, and they are looking for solutions. This is Lean Startup 101. You've got a problem, here's a product that meets that solution. In the US, there's been a lot of solutions looking for problems, but if you look outside, -hmm. And there are a lot of interesting problems that crypto and Web three can solve here in the U S. around data, social, privacy, a ton, ton. But it's seen as an asset here. And when you go elsewhere, half of the world's population is still living on less than six dollars a day. I think it's a really difficult thing for us to remember. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that means that there is tremendous latent human and economic potential around the world that's waiting to be unlocked through providing people with more opportunities to better themselves and their communities. And capital is key Mm -hmm. to unlocking that potential. And so the more you can actually funnel capital into those places, even small amounts, which is what we do with Good Dollar, the more you're actually enabling those people to create their own opportunities that improve their lives for themselves and improve their lives for all of those around them. And that's how we get growth on a global scale. And that's how hopefully we use this technology
1: to make the world a better place. I would vote for her. <laughs> yes, right? this, is, this, this is, is like,
2: I have never seen Cam so quiet. <laughs> it's just I'm like just soaking it all in. And so, it's, just, it's just so beautiful like, to hear it being explained in such a poetic way. Um, in a way that's easy to consume and understand, because these are really complex discussions we're having here. You know, I think we take advantage, here in the United States, we're used to instant transactions, Mm -hmm. right? That's our normal. It's been our normal for a long time. But in hundreds of countries, that's not normal. Nope. They're used to taking weeks to transfer money. They're used to the governments being able to freeze their money at mm-hmm. any time. They're used to not having capital. And now, as you mentioned, crypto is not something we have to say, oh, you should get this because it's just something that is so appealing already. And for us, we're like, what, it's gonna take 20 seconds to transfer ETH to this and in our wallet? But for other countries, Oh my gosh, what a blessing it is. But we still pay for those instant transactions. You, that's a key. You can elect to pay yeah, yeah for but, more too.
1: But I mean, we pay for a lot of things that we're doing. Like it, like we want to transfer something from Venmo to anyone else for that instant transaction, I have to pay for it. That's right. Okay, so for me, I, in that moment I'm thinking, oh yeah, three cents or a dollar, whatever much money I'm sending. I'm like, oh, that's nothing. I do it right away, because I'm thinking, what's a buck? You know, I can't do anything with that anyhow, You can't anymore, right? You can't anymore, (laughs) so I I do it right away, but they multiply that by 100,000, a million people doing that same thing. They're making money off me, giving me a a service to transfer my money instantly, because my bank doesn't do it. I can't get money to somebody else. My dad just tried to send money. He came in with cash into the bank, and he called me up. He's old school, obviously, and he's like, I can't send money how do I get this to so-and-so right away? How do I, they won't take my cash, or I gotta do, so he was trying to wrap his mind around, it's his. Now he's like, I gotta spend so much money to get it transferred somewhere else, so, We're always paying for something. We're always paying for something. Mm -hmm. We're always paying for something, and and we're paying twice, again, and then again, and then again, to have that convenience for instant transfer. But I think with blockchain, what it offers for us to be able to have that ability to... To transfer money digitally to any individual all over the world for free. There you go. Right, and without an intermediary. Right?
3: And I think it's actually, it's, it's interesting because what was the original narrative of crypto, digital cash. Mm. That this was going to be, this was Bitcoin's first narrative, digital cash. That this was going to be the cash Mm. of the internet that enables us to send money from one person to another and digital cash. Then it became digital gold. (laughs) Now it's become a few other things. Some people (laughs) say we've lost the narrative, Mm. right? But the true potential, you know, you you asked me what's web three, it's ownership. It's actually having true sovereignty over your own assets and being able to interact with them without a centralized intermediary, mm-hmm. right? And so even though this industry has gone through many highs, many lows, many permutations, etc., this still remains, at least for me, this is the big game, that's the big game. How do you get, how do you enable people to transact individually, peer-to-peer, digitally, globally, on an individual level where they have root ownership over their assets and they don't need to ask permission to do it. We know that this is a big business. Banks are a big business. They are the intermediaries that enable us to do this here. We know Western Union and MoneyGram are billion dollar businesses. They always have been. People want to send money peer to peer. Mm -hmm. And this is where blockchain actually is a superior technology to the existing system. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really a matter of for me, it's always about remembering that. It's like a return to the roots of like where the technology is truly disruptive. Where is it truly transformational? Where is it truly able to make a difference? And I really think it's at the individual level in terms of enabling anyone in the world with access to the internet to actually interact with assets and use them with their peers.
1: When it comes to the privacy, like you don't want to get caught in a scam, right? You want to be able to have some kind of borders or some guidelines, but you also want to be able to be private. Can you speak to that? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that privacy is actually one of the areas where it's a
3: representation of how immature the technology is and that Ooh. we haven't actually found a universal standard for transactions that enables people to both you know do a verified blockchain public transaction but then really hide what the asset is and who it's going to and from etc of course no one wants all of their bank statements online right like nobody wants that that's not an improvement Mm -hmm. if if that's all we're doing it's not yeah this is something where i think the user experience like the ux in terms of creating trust right so like making sure that, for example, if you're gonna send money to a friend, there's an auto check of the wallets, and in terms of like a verification, using a chain analysis, using other tools, et cetera, that are checking sender to sender, right? These are things that maybe are gonna be, end up being invisible to the user. I also think that there's so many interesting companies now that are tackling decentralized identity and privacy from a range of different use cases because what de- decentralized ID means and what privacy means, it really means different things depending on whether you're talking about like, oh, I want to have one ID when I go to the DMV to fill out any government form versus I don't want people to see what's in my wallet, right? They're different use cases. Right, That's And true. I think that ultimately, they're going to be different solutions that tackle that problem from different points of view. They're not here yet, which is, I think, really uncomfortable, right? Like mm-hmm. I've been airdropped NFTs to my wallet, to my public address that I don't want.
2: Oh my God, I hate those. <laughs> you
3: know what I mean? like, I'm like where that's... did this come from? Why did you send exactly. this to me? <laughs> and like, nobody wants that, right? So like ultimately, there's going to be a solution that doesn't just enable anyone to auto send something to your wallet just because they want to, right? Mm-hmm. There is going to be a solution that enables us to see the root characteristics of a particular wallet without the underlying information of who it belongs to. I think they're complex user experience questions, and I think we're not there yet. But blockchain and like ZK proofs and all of these different technologies that are based off of cryptographic hashing provide at least the, the possibility that we're going to get there.
1: Yeah will have concerns whether it's governments always watching. I mean, that's what cash is for people sometimes provides privacy because I can just go to you and hand you $5 and the whole world doesn't know that I just handed you $5. No, no this wait. is really a light question. You ready for this one? Yeah. And you're going to fall out of your seat because it's so light. What do you like about your job? Um, what do I like about my job?
3: I see myself as being so privileged to actually steward bringing this technology to the world and seeing what other people around the world do with it. Good Dollar has 500,000 members all over the world. That makes us one of the biggest crypto communities, global active communities in the world. These are, for the most part, all people who are coming to our community because they really believe in the mission of using crypto to empower themselves and empower their communities. We have incredible change makers and builders from every country in the world that is really innovating and pounding the pavement and being the change. Why I came to work in this space, Mm -hmm. right? So there's one woman in particular, her name's Christiane, She lives in the fourth largest favela in Brazil. (coughs) She's always been a community educator. She's always been an advocate for women. And she runs an organization that used to teach women self-defense and financial education and all sorts of things. To see what she's done with Good Dollar in terms of onboarding thousands of women in her community, she has opened a store that enables all of those women to buy and sell food products, handmade goods, pre-owned goods, et cetera, using good dollar as a currency. And she has hosted dozens and dozens of education sessions that's all about blockchain and financial empowerment and creating your own path to wealth using crypto. And to serve someone like Christiane, it's like a great privilege for me. It truly is a great privilege. And... They inspire me every single day. They really inspire, like people like her inspire me every single day. They get me out of bed every single day. And I truly feel like it's such a privilege to work with women like her, the young men that we work with throughout the world. I have an incredible, incredible team of people who, are here from the mission. We've built a great community of people and really expanding it. Like we're just trying to take all of the positive signs that we've had and, you know, tackle the next 10 communities, enable the next 10 people to get grants to build on good dollar, enable the next 10 families to receive good dollar scholarships to pay their school fees. Like it's always it's really based in the humanity of the people that we're working with and really seeing the power of the technology up close and personal. It's a dream, it's a dream job.
2: Oh, the, the whole thing was a dream listening to you. I, I tell Michelle this, and I've noticed this as a trend on our podcast, the women that we talk to, the leaders that we talk to, they all share this common generosity of supporting and elevating other women. And I love that you just use your platform to talk about another woman and her amazing project and what she's doing. Good Dollar sounds like such a phenomenal, social, like socially impactful project, and I really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Tell us more about how someone can get involved with Good Dollar and point our audience and everybody who's listening, I'm sure everybody is dying to find out who you are, how can they get involved, how can they pick your brain, where can they find you and reach you? So if you're looking to learn more about Good Dollar, go to
3: GoodDollar.org. You can find us on all of our social hand- handles are GoodDollar.org. And even if you're listening to this thinking like, oh, I don't need UBI, I don't, want, I don't need that, sign up, create a wallet. This is about a movement where actually, you know, whether you're rich or poor, we can all use blockchain to do good for the world together. And anyone who works in crypto should know that we need those use cases, we need those feel-good stories, and good dollar is a way that you can be a part of it, right? So sign up, get into your wallet, start claiming every day. There are thousands of charities that accept good dollar, of good causes that accept good dollars, of micro-entrepreneurs that are looking for startup capital to build their good dollar businesses. So get in the system, start claiming, then you're going to have good dollars with which you can also make a difference. If you have a business in crypto, we're looking for partners all the time who care about making crypto accessible for many, many people. So I'm really easy to find. I'm at the real stone on Twitter. DM me. We are looking to onboard all of the companies in the space that are looking to. Use crypto to advance financial inclusion. There are many different ways that you can work with us and with great corporate partners like eToro, like the Cello Foundation has been a great supporter of our work. You can be part of the solution, right? So that's where you can find us, that's where you can get involved, sign up, start claiming, get working.
1: I found you right now. Awesome. Anna Stone, there you are. <laughs> yeah. it's your NFT handle yeah, there. <laughs> my Crypto COVID. Crypto COVID, there you go. Yeah. Still
3: got it. That's another awesome. great women community for yes. the record. Women first creators, women first community. Um, all about it. All about it. You know what? One of my favorite women, not just mine, Oprah.
2: Uh, Oprah. Yeah. I try to copy it all her. all energy. <laughs> when <laughs> you know better, you do, do better. That's mm-hmm. right. So I
3: thought about that a lot during our podcast you know in better, terms of like the women that the women leaders. You know, now we know better, so we got to do better.
2: Yes. And do better for each other. And you said earlier, 50%, more than 50% are women. But you know what? We created the other 50%. So, okay, let women into your businesses, fund women, get women on the C-suite, pay women. More money into the hands of women, hard stop.
3: This has become my mission in life.
1: Hard stuff. I love yes. this. This is great. It's well, everyone listening, we want to thank you for listening to us here at Consensus 2023. I mean, I just couldn't be happier to spend this time with both of you at this event. I'd like to say I've been coming to
3: Consensus since 2017, oh, and wow. there was not the Women Who Web3 podcast. Yeah. No.
1: And it wasn't like this. No one I would rather spend time with. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you, Anna. We appreciate your you time so today. Bye bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.
3: Bye bye. <laughs>
0: Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details.